What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deichman. That's right, and this week we're going to be talking about, oh god, Deck of Many Things and Monster Races as PCs, yeah. as well as listening... I did it! <gasps> as well as answering a listener question at the end. Damn Throwback. It. Damn it. <laughs> if you're just now listening, you can probably assume... I fucked that up in the past. <laughs> Go back and listen, because it's true. Um, but before that, Ali, how are your games this week? Exciting. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Um. so I'm going to start with Saturday, the game that we were both in. Yeah, Pathfinder. We, d- we did our first Pathfinder 2nd Edition game. We somehow miraculously got eight people together to play a game. Dude, it, like <laughs> Christmas came a few days later. <laughs> eight grown adults, all with schedules. We we figured it out. Yeah. And we had a really fun first game. Oh my that that was one of the most fun first sessions I've ever mm-hmm. had. Um it was pretty awesome. What we pretty much all found different hero cards. Well, so so we yeah. got surprised with this. Yeah. Wiz is is GMing it. I gotta say GMing it's Pathfinder. Oh GMing. yeah. Um and she uh, uh, she got the, the Haro deck, which is basically what ties into this, is basically the deck of many things for yeah. Uh, Pathfinder and each of our characters like found one or got delivered one somehow and we actually had the cards with handwritten sticky notes on the back yeah and they're so cool looking it was awesome. oh yeah I'll be honest I was a little sad when I had to give it back <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that was that was what I, I love handouts and even though I don't mm-hmm. do enough of them I love them and <laughs> love getting them <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah so we all met up Mm-hmm. Um, we got to do role play, which was great. Yeah. No, we, I mean, like, immediately we yeah. were all into it. And, and uh, freaking your boyfriend. <laughs> Hang on. Let me get into the character. Hello. Like, literally <laughs> the same breath went from, oh, I have to get into character to his character voice. <laughs> and I I lost it. That was hilarious. Yeah, uh, was but, but, yeah, we got to we got to get into our characters. And then uh, we did some of the storyline. And I know this is a D&D podcast, but we're not going to do spoilers for Curse of Crimson Throne yeah. as well. Because that's what we're playing. And if you uh, play Pathfinder, that's cool. And, you know, don't get spoiled. Um, I mean, like, we're essentially it was a really fun session because it's day one. We're literally still figuring out how each other player works. Yeah. And so it's like we got to figure out how our, like actual attributes and how everything and our skills all work together and it was like oh okay so i'm not the healer i'm just this and i can support really well and it's like, yeah but i am the healer but when i do heal i could use your backup and so it's like it's mm-hmm. cool figuring that out in the first session live as we go it was also <laughs> good, uh, cool getting confirmation that even in pathfinder second edition i still suck at rolling yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm a cool former thief except when i roll <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, and then the first attack of the entire campaign oh was rolled against me and was a crit. And it was just, it's exactly how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> just exactly how it should be. To be fair, our first roll as players was a natural 20. That's true. Yeah. So that was I, cool. I, I uh, came in strong with that that natural 20. 2020 coming in hot. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say this. Uh, halfway through the session, we were well into combat that Mm-hmm. was supposed to be separated from each other and we all just made one big combat as we do <laughs> but it was during that that I real that I remembered I went oh shit Wiz converted all of this yeah this is playing so seamlessly in second edition that I didn't even notice yeah no she she's doing real good work over yeah. there <laughs> she she she's do, she doing uh, the 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 D&D god's work <laughs> uh but you had another game 
Yeah, it was last night. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so previously on, you, I left off essentially telling you guys that they're in the middle of this huge fight with four Fomorians, one of them being a Fomorian king. You've got an ancient green dragon flying in. You've got an earth elemental. You've got, it's just a lot going on, right? I re-listened to the beginning of last week's episode, and I had forgotten how many things. <laughs> like, I was like, hey, the Fomorians and the dude and the dragon. Then I for, then the, you said the elementals. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So these guys, they're like, okay, well, we can, we can do this. Um, at the end, also last time, one of the Sealy Court, like the Unsealy Court's ravens, came in essentially like, I'm handling this dragon. That was part of the plan. He was supposed to be handling the dragon the whole time. He was chasing it this whole time. <laughs> okay, okay. And so another ally comes into the mix as well. So these guys are fighting everything. And so by this point, it's like the Fomorians have cursed like half the party members including the npcs so like i think like four or five people ended up being cursed by the end of that fight which means everyone has half speed you get disadvantage on any ch checks or attacks or saves made with strength or decks and it's like <laughs> i'm like this is not going good i'd go look for that masked guy in dark souls one in a bell tower <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay but then they started focusing a little Sorry. bit better on uh, the Fomorians themselves, who were doing the psychic damage and the clubbing and the cursing. And so they're and the like... And the eye. And so they finally started wearing him down. And they finally, finally took down King Malabog. Oh, wow. Yeah, they killed him. And it was great. I, I helped make, you, make those stats with you. That was yeah. a, a tall order. I know. <laughs> and, like, the orb of this orb that can control dragons this artifact is just laying there like pretty much on his corpse and they're like we can't do anything with that right now because there's an ancient fucking dragon here so they have to deal with that first oh yeah because you have to attune to it don't you mm -hmm. mm, and yeah. so there's like they're dealing with the dragon and they're still dealing with the other fomorians and that's when bradley eric's character realized hey i've got this horn of valhalla oh i love that item and so he's like, I'm going to use my whole action and 10 Valhalla warriors are going to come and help us out. And so the warriors started taking down the Fomorians one by one. That is awesome. While they're like beating on this ancient dragon. And I got to be honest with you. They did it. That's they straight up took down this ancient green dragon in a matter of, I think, four turns. Holy shit. What level are they? They're... I'm a good DM. 14, <laughs> I think. Um, eh. <laughs> that's, you know. that's awesome. But here's the thing. They didn't kill it. Because oh. someone else killed it. <laughs> Got that kill steal? Yeah. Um, in the end of the fight, one of the unseely warriors was like, there's someone here. And he starts closing his eyes and trying to attack him and nearly gets a hit in, but some... One who is invisible cast shield. And it's like, but they're not really invisible. And there's a reason for that. So, Saphir's like, oh, my time is here. And this motherfucker, <laughs> he comes up behind where the warrior was fighting. And he says, I'm going to throw out my bag of flour. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, I've had it on my belt pouch this entire time. Ever since we went back to Waterdeep, I bought a bag of flour. And I'm like, I remember that. He's like, this is what it's for. <laughs> and so he th tosses out the flour 
and the flower just covers this person entirely. And at first, it kind of like with the flower outline, it looks like it's a woman. Uh, she's got really long ears, so they're assuming pointy elf. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, uh, is it one of our allies? Is it like one of the Eladrin that are here? And she like frowns at Saphir, who just covered her in flower, points up while looking at Saphir at the dragon, casts fireball at it. And as she's casting Fireball, she comes into full existence, and it's no one other than motherfucking Valindra herself. Oh, shit! <laughs> and the dragon explodes, along with Roland and the other warrior that's on it right now. Oh! <laughs> and so the dragon goes down, and she wipes the flower from her eyes, looks at them, and says, I hear we have a problem. Is that where you ended it? That's where we ended God it. God damn, that's good! <laughs> Holy shit, that's awesome. And as she says that, the orb that Malabog had shrinks down to her size and she pockets it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, <laughs> oh. that was my game this week and I'm really excited. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... Um, I had a Storm King's Thunder one that was that they fought a thing and they did a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my, my Storm King's Thunder one was good. They they fought uh, a monster and uh, <laughs> Uthal, Kyle St. James character, almost got swallowed by it. Oh, no. <laughs> Just straight up. Like, my favorite, this is my favorite thing that happened that session. Um, all right, you take uh, 40 points of piercing damage and 10 fire damage. And he just goes... Um, uncanny dodge. Uh, and what does that leave me with? And I go, 25. And he goes, okay, I am at zero. <laughs> oh, no. But then Tara's character, her paladin, put on thunderous smite, hit that thing, and it flew out, flew back, dropping Uthal. It was really cool. That's awesome. Um, they got further in the story, talking to a person with the thing and find it out more plot points. And now um, we're going to play tonight and basically it's going to be, all right, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. We, we've hit that point again where it's now open world. Like they've gone and talked to Roman, their cousin. Yeah. <laughs> now they're back out in Liberty city. Right. Um, I know I could have gone with the GTA five one. I went to it with GTA four. I don't know why. Um, so that's going to be interesting to find out what they do, mm-hmm. but we got to move on. Cause we got a jam packed fucking episode. Oh, yeah. right here. So we're going to move over into some broadsheets. First off, and I'm so excited to get this to talk about this, we got a freaking leak. Yeah. I love listening to video game podcasts because of leaks, and I finally <laughs> get to do one on our show, and I'm mm-hmm. so happy. Amazon coming in like a bro <laughs> is like You can always rely on them. Hey Wizards, you uh you want to give us this new product thing so we can put it? We'd like, yeah, but don't put it up until this date. And they're like, don't worry, we got you. Goes up the same day. <laughs> so uh, Forgotten Realms, uh, how, how do you say your name? I Lariel. Lariel Silver, I have her in my game and I fuck her name up all the time. <laughs> Lariel Silverhands Explorer's Kit Dice Set. Mm. Um, this looks very much, you see the oh picture, Oh my god, right? yeah, I yeah. love the dice color. <laughs> so they're, they're like this translucent ice blue with silver with numbers like on it. iridescent green sparkly in there. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's very reminiscent of the, the Descent to Avernus box that's yeah. right here. Oh, wait, the box itself too, yeah, because yeah, the there's box the velvet box desk, like gorgeous. dice lining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's got the, the blue box, it comes with a map of the Sword Coast and then a map of Waterdeep. 
and along with a bunch of character and location art, one of which is prominently features Neverwinter, and that makes me very happy. <laughs> um, and it's got the 2D20s. It's, I, I, I love it. But here's the thing. We're getting uh, this is getting into the next piece of news, but we're gonna we're getting a book soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I because of the packaging, there is a hundred percent for me that this book is called Lariel Silverhand's Explorer's Kit. Yeah, like not even a question yeah. for me. Um, I it's it's interesting that they're doing a dice set along with what I am speculating to be a splat book, a supplement. Yeah, like something similar to, um, you think, either Ghost of Saltmarsh or, mm. what do you think? No, 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 I'm, I'm talking, um, like, uh, uh, Xanathar's Guide oh, okay. uh, kind of stuff. In okay. fact, I think Xanathar's Guide is probably the closest to what this is going to be. Um, I don't, it might be a little bit more like Sword Coast Adventures Guide, maybe? That is my hope. <laughs> um... But I think that would, I think something like that I would want more as a campaign book, like what Eberron and Ravnica were. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is where we're going to see all of the playtest stuff come up. What, yeah. What, what about you? No, I honestly believe that. My hopes, I'm going I'm to say my hopes first and I'm going to say yeah. my honest thoughts. Yeah, no, okay, that's so, speculation. It's so much yeah. fun. <laughs> so my hope. And I would love for this to happen either soon or the next book or, God, if it happened in this, this book, I'd be so pleased. Is that they did a Faerun book. Like, Faerun, like, campaign book similar to Ravnica or Eberron, where you actually learn where the Wizards of Fae came from. Oh, God, where you actually so learn cool. what the the what Am is. You know where Cholt is in the grand scheme of themes. Yeah. Because that's actually way south than you mm-hmm. think it is. But it's on the map. Um, and so it's like... You're in Faerun, which is this very much canon piece of of map. Yeah, <laughs> there is a real map to it, but it hasn't been brought to Five E yet. And so I'm really hoping that with this concept of like the Explorers Kit, is that they're leaving the Sword Coast. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that it the the top part says Forgotten Realms. Yeah, exactly. Loreal Silverhands Explorers Kit. Exactly, and so it's like I'm really hoping that. We're gonna leave the the very very tiny in the grand scheme of things area of the Sword Coast, and find all the other places because yeah. that would be so cool. Um, not saying that I don't like the Sword Coast, but there's so much more to this continent. It is interesting though that the map um, specifically is, says fold out double sided map of the Sword Coast and the city of Waterdeep. Yeah, that which, feels a little too zoomed in for doing all of it for me. I know, which makes me sad. But yeah, that's my hopes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, thoughts. I really do think that all this playtesting is there for a reason. They've been thinking about how to do, like, you know, we've talked about it before, 5.5 in a way. Yeah. Um, without going into 5.5. Um, and I think this is a new way to do that. I don't think they're going to do the revised feats or anything like that yet. But I think they will have the new classes. and Not yeah. classes, but the, the archetypes in there. I hope the skill feats get put into it. That would be amazing. Because the skill yeah. feats, I still think, are the best unearth arcana thing out there right now. Yeah. The racial feats kind of got pushed ahead of the skill feats. But yeah, they're all right. Yeah, they're all right. But honestly, they get picked a lot more than regular feats now for, mm-hmm. for my players. Okay. So I would love for the skill feats to get in there because, like, we've talked about it with Pathfinder before, too, about how there are so many combat feats. But when it comes to just, like, practical feats that aren't meant for combat people didn't choose them really yeah 
So like those skill feats, oh, they're really heavily focused on non-combat situations. And I love feats like that. We talked about a little bit about that, I think, last week with that listener question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it would be that, that's that's my thought is that they're probably going to bring in all those archetypes. And I, I just hope it's not going to be only about the Sword Coast. But if it is, it's going to be more fleshed out than the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But I, I feel like the I feel like what you're talking about there is more like the campaign setting, mm-hmm. which seems to by pattern be coming out in the fall. Yeah, I do really think that they will do a Forgotten Realms book, but I don't know if that's what this one's going to be. Like, I think if out of all of them, because I know they have to research all of this stuff before they put out there, because that's what half the no, people at just, Wizards do. No, they just go talk to the Perkins man. Yeah. <laughs> and then they confirm it with Perkins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so it's like, I feel like, you know, Faerun is probably the easiest one to research because they've already got all that lore there. They it's don't true. have to dive into the deep magazines in order to find stuff. The deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm excited for this. Me too. And uh, these dice are just so I've been staring at them the entire time we were talking about this. Yeah, I held off so on the Descent of Matavernus dice, but I'm definitely getting the Silver Hands oh, yeah. dice. Because, one, I always love more maps of the Sword Coast. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's a smaller map of Waterdeep, which I can really appreciate right yeah. now. Um, so just being able to have that just hanging up, too, would be really cool. Also, there's a bunch of cards in there with yeah, it's, uh, little the blurbs about each city, too. 20 illustrated double-sided cards detailing L'Oreal's uh, expert insight on key characters, locations, and lore oh from God. across the Forgotten Realms. Yes. And they had this in the, the Descent into Avernus ones with, like, the demons and everything like yeah. that. The abyssal chickens and whatnot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm – oh, God. I love, I love product like this. Yes. This is the product that I want. Yes. I just want – ephemera <laughs> like I, I want stuff that is like oh here's a thing from the world that's written by the character from the world i love that kind of crap mm-hmm. so this is this is oh my i'm so happy it's one of the reasons why volo's guide is one of my favorite books yes <laughs> i just love volo yeah it's so good uh all right uh very closely tied to this news uh is our next one which is a uh, book announcement on the 13th officially officially <laughs> yes it was supposed to be today recording which is thursday um but it got pushed back to monday so uh when you listen to this on friday or the weekend um the book announcement is coming on monday um Amazon already has a placeholder for it mm-hmm. they got that message yeah 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 <laughs> which is really weird cuz it says I saw it this morning. It's like March D&D book parentheses announced on announcement coming 113 uh, 2020. Yeah. I love that they got that, but this dice that they are just like, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it is also worth mentioning that D uh, Wizards just straight up announced the dice set and made no reference to the leak yeah. or the book announcement. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's coming. It's, it's totally the explorers kit we already just talked about that so um the next piece of news is uh pretty sad uh layoffs uh were happened at fantasy flight games yeah um and what really sucks about this you know people are losing their jobs that sucks enough yeah um for a fan side of it the rpg department and the video game department have been shut down oh shit 
So, which is crazy because they just launched Lord of the Rings Living Card Game Adventure That's thing right, on yeah. Xbox and all that. It was part of Game Pass. Yeah. Um, they'd been hyping this thing for like a year and now they're shut down. And with the RPG department, I mean, we don't know details for sure yet, but... I mean, that's the Star Wars game that we love. Yeah. That's Genesis. That's Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah. So I'm just like straight up looking at their product list. Yeah. Uh, they've got like, <laughs> they've got licenses for Game of Thrones, yeah. Arkham Horror. They do the Keyforge yeah. decks. Well, so that's Legend the of thing. the Five Rings. That's the thing. All <laughs> the board games and card, physical yeah. card games are untouched. I know, which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, because Keyforge is apparently doing really well. Yeah. It's a fun-ass game. I just don't have the money or time to put into it. Yeah, I like magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the Star Wars RPG and the Lord of the Rings. Didn't they just do a Lord of the Rings one? No, too? no, they did, a, they did a board game. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's been no secret. Like, Star Wars from Fantasy Flight is, like, possibly my favorite RPG besides D&D. Yeah. We're ju- we just started a Star Wars RPG literally last week, and it was, like, we did the session negative yeah. one, yeah. which is just learning how to play the yeah. game. <laughs> it's so fun, though. But the it's, it's not sure. We're not sure yet if these books that are already out are going to keep being printed. Yeah. And if, you know, we're just, you know, done with new content, which... Uh, okay, I mean, Star Wars luckily has a lot of stuff out for it, mm-hmm. and Genesis has its book, its DM screen, its dice, and then two setting books, mm-hmm. uh, Tyranneth and Android, and I feel like they could keep printing those and be fine with that, but it, it doesn't give me a lot of hope. It depends on if they can hold out their license for them, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I, mean, those two splat books, those are their own thing. Oh, I know, but like with yeah. Star Wars especially. Yeah, the Star Wars one, I think they're going to keep because they've been making Disney a lot of money with like the board games and stuff like that. That's true. But, I mean, at the end of the day, though, I my heart goes out to the people that lost their job. Oh and gosh, I, hope, yeah. I hope other RPG groups pick them up. Because these are from playing their games, fantastic people, really good with people, good ideas. Yeah. Uh, so best of luck to those people. Uh, on to some uh, future interesting news. Um, Hero Forge is going to be doing a Kickstarter soon. Yeah. And it is one that I am pumped about. They are adding color to their minis. Yeah. So if you don't know what Hero Forge is, I ha- recommend that you go look at it. Unless you, right now, unless you're driving a car, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> But it is a site where you can make your own mini. Mm-hmm. You can choose what they look like, what they're wearing, if they got spells, if they got weapons, what they have companions. Yeah, you can add little animals in yeah. there. Um, and uh, they announced this week through uh, email and um, little through website. Twitter and everything, too. Yeah. Um, that they are going to be launching a Kickstarter called Hero Forge 2.0 and it is going to allow you to put color on these minis. Mm-hmm. What the price point is of that... Is un- is you know not talked about yet? Yeah, it's and all. This is a. <laughs> they they've just announced that they're going to be doing a yeah. Kickstarter. The Kickstarter hasn't been announced yet either, but um, they said like if you're interested, um, sign up for an yeah. email list essentially, and we'll give you updates on when it's coming out. Yeah, and uh, they they do have an image of a mini that's colored. Uh, it is rendered, so I uh, you know it's I'm 
interested to see what these actually end up looking like. To be fair, the renderings of their models when you before you print them out are actually really accurate oh, yeah, to I'm, when they are printed out. I'm, I'm sure, but those ones are grayscale. And oh, I know. this one is colored, so I'm, I'm interested to see what the colors end up looking like mm -hmm. and how they are doing it. If Because they're 3D printed. Yeah. So are they 3D printing with color plastic or are they having some are they having a process to do it afterwards i'm, yeah. I'm interested to know and i'm very interested to know what the price point this is going to be because hero forge i love them it's already pretty expensive like just the base mini is 20 bucks and that's if you get the cheaper plastic option yeah if if you get to the the higher end stuff like it's 30 40 dollars yeah, 30 dollars for the higher end plastic and then as soon as you get to metals it starts to be like 50 dollars no the the lowest metal is 40 i think yeah and, but yeah. then it goes then it jumps to 100 with gold naturally <laughs> yeah um and you're getting a gold mini <laughs> yeah so i'm i i'm very interested to see what price point these guys end up at but um it is making me hold off on getting my mini for second edition i want to see what this looks like what their timetable mm -hmm. is um and before i actually go in and make my own well i've already made it i just have to buy it <laughs> <laughs> um okay uh last piece of news more gain uh from uh acquisitions incorporated has been added to idle champions Woo. and i just unlocked her while we're recording this uh, so is she actually part of the acquisitions inc um grouping or because i think jim wasn't Oh, really? Yeah, he's not part of an affiliation, if I remember right. Um, I don't know yet, because I haven't gotten to use her. I just, I just unlocked her. Ah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that they're going to do that, because now we've got two members uh, that aren't just C-Team. Yeah. Um, I know our coworker, Josh, that was like, yay, Morgane, where's my omen? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I definitely think they're going to be getting some kind of group thing like that. I just unlocked uh, the last member that I needed of C Team. So now I'm yeah, I'm all set to go. And I got Poulton again. I'm so happy. <laughs> getting <laughs> um, your team back together. Getting my team back together. Um, and hmm? It's like Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, more games available during the midwinter event. Um, and that mm -hmm. just started yesterday. It's yeah. a really good event to get into, especially if you're the first time playing um, Idol Champions. Get Kathris. He is probably one of the best supports out there. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't had the chance and you think it's a little overwhelming, I would say start now. Yeah. It's a no, great this time is, to this start. This is a great time to jump in. Yeah. Because, yeah, Kathris is great because not only do you uh, unlock a character, but you uh, get a character that you can swap out with your first uh, mm -hmm. available one. So you, you immediately feel like, oh, I've progressed. I've yeah. got something new and shiny. Yeah, exactly. And Kathris is probably the best starter, besides maybe the cleric one for me, but... Yeah, um, and honestly, when you're progressing through the Sword Coast Adventures too, Kathris is the best one to have in that first slot, at least for that time period. Yeah. When you're starting out, he's the best one to go. But yeah, so uh, hop in and play, because it's mm -hmm. really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, moving on to some dungeon keeping. Uh, which is the same as it's been. Oh my god! I just realized we're at a half hour already. <laughs> it's a jam-packed episode. It's a jam-packed episode. <laughs> uh, our dungeon keeping is the same as it's been recently. Tyranny of Dragons review. It's which coming is up next week. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> um, we have gotten uh, one uh, listener question in so far, and I'm thrilled with that because we haven't. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, we haven't had them before, so I'm I'm, uh, I'm thrilled about that. Thank you for writing yes. in, um, and uh, yeah, send in your 
questions, your reviews, your experiences, anything to do with Tyranny mm-hmm. of Dragons. We're going to talk about during that episode, and we're going to have a fun-filled time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's move into our first topic, and it is a listener topic. Yes. Which comes to us from Blake the Duckman Sailor. Hey, Blake. That's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> I like your name. Yeah. Also, the image that comes up in your email. Fits that perfectly. <laughs> um, so uh, Blake wrote in and uh, said, what are your thoughts on the deck of many things? Mm-hmm. When, how, and why should it be brought into a campaign, if ever? I'm curious to find um, curious to find how my opinion on it differs or relates to yours. So, yeah, we're doing a listener topic. Yeah. Thank you, Blake, for writing in. You, uh, if you have your own topic, you can send it to difficultyclass at gmail.com. <laughs> um, deck of many things. Would you like me to uh, explain what that is for those that either don't know or haven't experienced it yet? That's a brilliant idea. Why don't you do that? (laughs) Um, So for those that aren't familiar with the Deck of Many Things, it's a legendary wondrous item. Um, That in itself should give you an idea of how crazy this can be. It's cray cray. Uh, So physically, it's usually found in a box or pouch. This deck contains a number of cards made of ivory or vellum. Most, 75% of decks only have about 13 cards, but the rest have 22. That's something that a lot of people forget. They think that all decks have the 22 cards, which, oh, God, no. (laughs) So before you draw a card, you must declare how many cards you intend to draw, and then you draw them randomly. Um, You can, which is really one of the cool parts about this magical item, you can use a physical playing deck cards. Like, you have all the playing cards here. There's even a mm-hmm. whole table that says, oh, yeah, the two of diamonds is Comet. The king of clubs is the void. And so the it's void. like you can set up a whole actual physical deck mm-hmm. and have your players draw from yeah. it. Um, I did that with the deck of illusions. Mm-hmm. I gave it to St. James in the Tomb of Annihilation game, which had some really great moments. Oh, yeah. Happen. But I lo- I lo- again, physical stuff. I love it. Um, so they say, like, I want to draw two. Um, any cards drawn in excess of this number have no effects. If you draw three, the third one does nothing. Otherwise, as soon as you draw a card from the deck, its magic takes effect. You must draw each card no more than one hour after the previous draw. If you fail to draw the number chosen, the remaining number of cards fly from the deck on their own and take effect all at once. (laughs) Which, believe me, is a really bad plan. (laughs) Once a card is drawn, it fades from existence. Unless the card is the fool or the jester, the card reappears in the deck... Uh, making it possible to draw the same card twice. So, I'm not going to go over what each card is because there's 22 of them. But there are some fun ones. There is cards that can change your alignment mm-hmm. entirely. So, like, if you're lawful evil, it'll make you chaotic good. There's cards that will straight up send a death knight to you and will try to murder you <laughs> until you beat it. And you have to fight it one-on-one. The murder card. Yeah, um, there is a castle card where you own a castle now once you claim it. That that sounds like when you download a piece of DLC in Oblivion. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, by the way, you got a castle now. There are straight up experience cards. I think there's like four of them Mm -hmm. where you can gain up to like three or four levels depending on what level you pull them at. Yeah. Like if you pull them at like fifth level, you could gain like six levels in this. And there's also cards that make you lose experience. And there's cards that straight up make you just die. Yeah, no. Uh, here, here. Let's give some examples. The Fool. You lose 10,000 XP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of them. Just just get fucked. Yeah. Uh, discard this card and draw from the deck again, continuing both draws as one of your declared draws. 
If losing that much uh, XP would cause you to lose a level, you instead lose an amount uh, that leaves you with just enough XP to keep your level. So that's cool, but yeah. still, it's a lot. Yeah, especially if it's a higher level, too. Yeah. Um, but then, <laughs> then there's this one. Moon. The moon card. Mm -hmm. You are granted the ability to cast Wish Spell 1d3 times. Yeah, so... What? Yeah. Um, this deck of many things. It's... <laughs> I love it. I'll say that uh, my friend Marcos particularly really loves it. Hey, why, don't, why don't you Why don't you tell listeners your experience with yeah. this thing? So uh, two months ago, Marcos actually ran a one shot for us. Um, he said, "Go ahead and just make characters. Uh, they, you know, don't feel too connected to them. Um, just <laughs> That's always a great thing. Just to have like a couple backup and plan. And we're like, oh, are we gonna go through like a death dungeon or something? He's like, ah, we'll we'll find out. And I'm like, well, that's concerning that you don't even know. He's like, we'll find out. And so this man, he puts us in the middle of the forest and there's like this artifact that's emanating off of waves and explorers keep trying to find it. However, they keep going missing. And so we finally get to like this tree where there's just like things are coming out of it. And we're like, okay, well, what's there? And so we go to the bottom of the tree and there's a small little wooden box and we pick it up and there's a deck of cards in there. <laughs> and we're like, Oh, all of us as players immediately knew what it is because we know Marcos. And <laughs> we're like, so this is your one shot. He's like, yeah. Are you going to pull? <laughs> and we're like, why not? So like the first card that was pulled was you gain like one of my players gained plus two in an ability score of their choice. Just any ability score. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden she's like, I'm feeling so powerful. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to pull a card. All of my magical items were destroyed. Holy shit. And I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I'm pulling two cards. So I pulled my second card and I now have the intrinsic feeling of I need to go west because I need to claim this castle that belongs to me. West. And so Marcus was like, cool. Now we have a goal because <laughs> otherwise we were just going to keep pulling cards oh my god marcos <laughs> this is just a one shot i know but still. <laughs> he's like eventually we were either going to pull the dungeon or the castle card so it was going to work out and i'm like okay sure so as we're going there we each keep drawing cards and because it was a one shot one of the players played a tressum um <laughs> which is this magical cat in case you're wondering mm -hmm. um and he pulled a card, and it was just the Medusa's curse, where essentially... Oh, would you like me to read yeah, that Yeah, read one? it, read it. The card's Medusa-like visage curses you. You take a negative two penalty on saving throws while cursed this way. Only a god or the magic of the fates, or <laughs> uh, the fates card, can end this curse. Yeah. <laughs> so this cat was a very grumpy cat. <laughs> Jesus. So... We're getting to this castle, and there's three hags there, and we're like, well, we can handle three hags. I'm like, well, I can't. I don't have any magical weapons or weapons, period, now. And so it's like, we keep pulling cards. The entire time, it was fun. It was a blast. We had we had good times. Like, Spencer came in halfway through the one shot, and he's like, he gained three levels. He's like, cool. Um... I'm a bird. I'm a bird. <laughs> he, he was playing a Kenku, and one of the last cards he pulled was the wish card. And you know what he wished for? What? To be able to fly. I know that straight up almost made us cry because we were like, oh my God. And, but then the guy who played, who pulled the Medusa card was like, you didn't, you didn't wish for me to lose this. Nope. Because nope. it's not the power of a God or the fates. 
Well, I think it is the fate card that gives him wishes. No, that's moon. Oh, yeah. Oh, but then he did pull the fates card. Yeah, so the fates yeah. card is reality's fabric unravels and spins anew, allowing you to av uh, avoid or erase one event as if it never That's happened. That's right. You can use this card's magic as soon as the as you draw the card right. or at any other time before you die. So we there's so he ends up gaining three levels. He gets the wish spell, and then he pulls the death card, where it's like, hey. This Death Knight's going to come after you one-on-one. -on -one. Is that is that the, the skull one? Yeah, I think so. So this, this one's crazy. You summon an avatar of death, a ghostly humanoid skeleton clad in a tattered black robe and carrying a spectral scythe. It appears in a space the DM, of the DM's choice within 10 feet of you and attacks you, warning all others that you must win the battle alone. Mm -hmm. The avatar fights until you die or it drops to zero hit points, whereupon it disappears. If anyone tries to help you, the helper uh, summons its own avatar of death. <laughs> A creature slain by an avatar of death can't be restored to life. Yeah. Holy shit. So there's this little Kenku who just leveled up three times, got the ability to fly, and he's like, I gotta, gotta survive. And so he's struggling. I, I just realized that the stat block <laughs> for the avatar of death is right here. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's nothing to, you know, yeah. shy about there. Yeah. yeah. Um so all in all, I'll say it made for a really entertaining one shot, especially since the last card we drew um was the fates card. Yeah. And we straight up just wished that we never found the card the deck. <laughs> and so we ended up back at the forest at the tree and we had the choice to pick it up again. And we we're like, you know what? No. We're just going to go back to town. That sounds like some kind of like Richard Matheson short story or Twilight Zone episode. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's so good. So to sum it up, as a one-shot magical item concept, I loved it. And if you ever really want to just go all out and use the deck, freaking do that. Because that really sates your need. Ask Marcos. He will say, yes, that worked for me. I'm fine <laughs> with never having it again. Like... It, it really works. And plus, you get to have all the fun of just the random hijinks. That is game-breaking stuff. Yeah. Because that's the thing about the deck. It is, honestly, I, probably the only game-breaking item in D&D. I don't know if I... Well, because here... So here, here's my problem. Mm -hmm. You know me. I have, I have been the, the advocate for magic items at even low levels... The whole time this podcast has existed. I mean, hell, that's like, what, the third episode I recorded in my mm -hmm. car? Um, but this deck scares the shit out of me. So, and, But I don't I don't like saying that, that item, magic items are game-breaking. Because for me, they're only story-breaking. They don't break the game. See, that's what I mean. Is that they are story-breaking. And that itself disrupts your game entirely. Yeah. That's, and, that's what I mean. And I, But, like, at the same time, though... I don't know, you know, I think there's a way to form a story around new branches that happen in it. So I think the way I want to describe it is it is a, it is an obstacle of story. I'm, I'm sure that even like, even if my players in uh, Storm King's Thunder right now got the amulet of uh, planar shift or whatever the hell it's called, mm -hmm. I could still wrap that back around to this storyline. Yeah. This one, the the th reason it scares me is because if I know my players are going to get that amulet or it just shows up, I can take a moment and figure out how to do it. They get this deck. 
I don't know what's going to happen. They could say, I'm going to draw three cards. Yeah. And and I and I just had to sit and be like, oh, all right. So <laughs> the description of the deck of many things suggests that, oh, 75% of them only have 13 cards. Yeah. I would suggest, especially if it's your first time having it in a game or if it's a long running campaign, maybe just choose that it's only 13 cards. Yeah. And especially pick and choose which cards go in there because that, there are yeah. some literal story changing cards in there i mean at the same time though you could be batshit crazy and take an actual playing deck and just draw out 13 cards at random Mm -hmm. and give it to your players yeah you could do that that's what i do with the deck of illusions but that one i don't feel like it would fuck anything up no avatar death or wish spells coming out of that no i mean like they're like there are a few select cards in there that i would probably avoid the if you're first time dming or if you're running through a base campaign book, mm-hmm. like maybe avoid throwing those cards in there. Yeah. Um, like the alignment change, that one's rough. Because that can really, especially yeah. for new players too, that can really turn people over. Um, the one where all of a sudden they gain a ton of experience. It's not fun if one player is way ahead of the curve. I'll say, I, I mean, like, unless the whole party is like totally into it and willing to be happy for them. Because then you're in a situation of deciding as a DM, are they going to level up? Like, are you doing experience-based leveling? Or are you doing regular-based I mean, leveling? Or for, for me, I would just decide, like, oh, well, okay, you, you it's not XP. You're just gaining levels. You're gaining knowledge and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and so, like, when, when the other people level up, does the other person level up too? Or are they hanging back? Oh. So it kind of presents a technical problem that you, the DM, have to figure out. And if you're a first-time DM with first-time players, I wouldn't recommend having that card in there. Ooh, man, yeah, that's rough. Because, like, my gut instinct is to say, no, they level up when they catch up. Mm-hmm. But then, I don't know. Yeah, that is a little rough. That yeah. is a little rough one. Um, and and again, that's why this deck scares me as a DM to yeah. use. I've never used it, not even in a one shot. Um, and I know I've had players who want it to be used. Um, so can I say something about my campaign? Mm-hmm. I have the deck of many things in my campaign. It oh. has a physical place, and the players are aware of it now oh. in the campaign. Um, it is a real thing. They know this because one of their NPCs who are allies with them actually drew a card from the deck of many things. Hmm. Essentially, this NPC's backstory is he was a master thief in Waterdeep. Okay. The wizards hired him out to steal something from another powerful wizard. So he went and he stole something. And instead, he's like, instead of giving it back to the wizards directly, he's like, I'm going to draw a card. The one card he happened to draw was the alignment change card. Mm. Oh. <laughs> so he went from he went from lawful evil to chaotic good. And he decided, I'm not going to give this motherfucking deck back to these people. I'm going to return it back to the good in good hands, make sure no one else finds this deck, and I'm just going to try to turn my life around. Okay. So now he's working for the Harpers. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. And like his backstory ties into a PC, like a PC's backstory too, where it's like, I need to like repent <laughs> the stuff that I did in Waterdeep. So if I like turn you in, it'll help my standing. And so that's how they learned about it. Mm-hmm. And so, but he's told them like, yeah, I, my alignment was like, not wordly like that. Like my alignment's changed, but he told yeah. them in a sense that. Yeah. I had a change of 
uh, my, my view of the world changed yeah. something like that. Yeah. And so the deck of many things in my world is in the vaults of Neverwinter. Neat. They actually were in those vaults at level one. Oh, that's kind of like uh, like Thor when they're walking through the vaults. <laughs> that's yeah, kind of cool. Because they had to go get the Nashers from stealing yeah. from stealing the crown of yeah, Neverwinter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they were literally there. Yeah. <laughs> I like I that I think that's something that I would want to do if I use it, where I build it up mm-hmm. instead of like you found a deck. Yeah. Um, like building it up as this thing, as mm-hmm. as like someone's used it something bad happened yeah like this thing is not a toy kind of thing yeah where like i i because because i gave you know i just gave saint james the deck of illusions i mean he was just throwing cards (laughs) (laughs) Um, right so uh, i i think doing something like that building it into the story and not well not even like making it a main focus just having it mentioned mm-hmm. by someone else or as a legend and stuff like that would be a neat way to do it before even having it show up yeah because then that way uh your players have some kind of heads up not just player wise cuz like in that one shot everyone knew what that was <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, like that was the point of the one shot <laughs> yeah but but the char- like your characters in your campaign know what it is they've heard a story of what it does mm-hmm. they know that it's in a very secure location yeah i really like that and that gives them the opportunity of an option to yeah. where they know there's a chance of really fucking things over but mm-hmm. if it comes to it they can try to find that fates card yeah and they can try to save the world in some way. If their deck even has it in there. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, they know that's a choice. Yeah. However, they'd have to pull a lot of strings to get there. But that's an option for them that they're aware of now. Mm-hmm. I definitely like that approach better than, like you were saying, just the finding it in the woods or yeah. in a dragon's cache. Yeah. Like, eh, that's that leaves it up a little bit too much to... It's a little too whimsy for, for, for my campaign's yeah. sake. It, it feels more storybook fairy tale thing than a fantasy story yeah so it's like i i personally like the deck of many things it's really fun it brings a lot of options and choices and chances to the game that usually is very straightforward i would say if you if you have a, a sandbox campaign 100 throw this thing in there at yeah some point. curate what's in it but totally throw it in there yeah I, if you're like, doing a pre-written campaign or one that you've got a story going on with Maybe, maybe consider it. Yeah, consider it. I'm I'm warming up to it. Yeah, you like it. I'm warming up to it. Definitely go through <clears throat> all the possible cards that are in there and piecemeal it. Yeah, don't accept it as it is right out the bat. Don't, for the love of God, give them the full twenty-two card deck. Oh, no, don't do that. Um, like maybe that's their goal. You can make a whole thing going into that situation where like they're following this bad guy who has the deck of many things and they're just following the trail of destruction that he's leaving behind him. Yeah. But I mean like uh, like that's why it's a weird item because like I feel like even in a villain's hand like if I gave it to a villain or I was in a game where the villain had it I'd just be like yeah fine pull it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> you know fuck yourself up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's just the that's how it works. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And I think that's why as a player, I'd never fucking touch it. Because yeah. I already said this uh, episode, my dice rolls suck. Yeah. My rant, my RNG is the worst. I spent an hour <laughs> doing a Destiny quest the other night because there were two factors of RNG in it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fucking mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, I as a player, no, I wouldn't really pull from that. But unless I had a very peculiar character that would, yeah, I just wouldn't. 
All right, well, Blake, I hope that gave you some insight into what we think. Uh, I'd love to hear some more about what you think of it. Uh, you can mm-hmm. email us at difficultyclass at gmail.com, and maybe we'll do a follow-up with that. Yeah. Uh, but let's move over into uh, our DMs Guild Spotlight for this week, which, Allie, why don't you tell us about? Certainly. So it's called The Half Race Handbook. It's written by Lydia Van Hoy, and it's actually a really wonderful little supplement. It is pretty cheap for everything that you get in there. It's only three ninety five. Um, it's essentially a modular system for creating unique half races. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wanted a half elf, half orc <laughs> instead of a half elf, half human, half orc, half human? Mm-hmm. Well, now you can with this one. I want a half dwarf, half elf. Yeah, you can. So that's kind of a really cool point of it is that this really brings more options to your character building. And mm-hmm. we've talked about race on this show before about how it really shouldn't like determine who your character is but this one if you want to stick to the rules of the actual game kind of yeah. helps you customize a little bit more while sticking to that D 5e feel um the half for handbook contains 33 different races not including the sub races like the different tieflings yeah um deconstructed into three characters categories ability score modifiers major features and minor features with the rules provided you can combine these three categories to create just about any half race that you can imagine each race has been broken down with balance in mind so that it should be difficult to create a truly overpowered race you can see all races and sub races that have been included in the supplement preview so included in the modular system are three examples let's see the half elf half orc kobold folk and wanty half blood uh, that's the one that I want. Yeah, you right. Monty Avalon, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So there are also family-oriented backgrounds to the blended family and adopted. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So it's a really neat supplement, and I was just looking through it, and it honestly does look balanced, because I straight up bought it, because I'm excited to play yeah. a half-orc, half-elf. That sounds so cool. <laughs> and it's like, I'm I'm excited to go into it. Um, there's so many like races in there too and i like how the concept of having the major features and the minor features because if you look at the races that's kind of what they have like they have the ability score modifiers and then they have oh like if you're an orc you have dark vision which would be maybe a minor one but Mm -hmm. their major one would be like the critical hit and so you can choose like where your major one and minor one comes from i believe and it's the background itself is really neat too I also love the cover image. It's adorable. Oh my god! Yeah, the whole art in here actually is really nice. Yeah, the the one that's on the 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 DM's Guild page I'm looking at has the full art for the half orc half or half elf half orc, mm-hmm. and I love it. I love the concept of it. it. Like the angular orcish face with the ears. It looks so good. Yeah, and like the kobold folk is like this really cool like lizard looking dude. He's got like an alligator tail. And he's holding a bow and it just looks so cool. And mm. then you've got like the wanty half blood. She's just this person in full scale male with just holding a snake in front of her like just about to kiss it. And it looks so good. And all the other art on here too looks like this classic ephemera like 1940s like advertisement mm. style drawings where it looks like someone etched into wood and printed it. And it looks so good and it looks so cohesive. And basically what I'm saying is if you want more options in your character option building, go ahead and look into this because it's really good and it has a lot of options for only three ninety five. dollars mm-hmm. um, Give it a shot. Give it a chance. Uh, yeah, so if you want to check that out, we're going to tweet it out as we normally do. But mm-hmm. if you want to look it up yourself right now, it, on Dungeon Masters Guild, it is the Half Race Handbook by Lydia Van Hoy. It's three ninety five. Definitely check this out. This is a great supplement. Yeah. 
All right, we are going to move over into our second topic, which is also a listener topic. Hey. This one uh, written in by a uh, longtime listener, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. I say a longtime listener, but it's, you know, been since June. But still, hey, <laughs> we appreciate you. Thank you for sending it in. So uh, Aaron uh, wrote in a, a listener question, but also a, a longer one. Uh, but I'll, I'll basically just get the gist of it. Um She's, uh, she says, also, I think you've talked about it uh, this before, but I can't remember what episode it was on. What is your stance on players using monster races as mm-hmm. characters in a campaign? And I think we may have done a listener question about it. I don't, we haven't done this as a topic. Yeah. I uh, think we might have touched on it. Yeah. We might have <laughs> touched on it when we were doing the the races separating from ability scores. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she later said like, oh, this could probably be a whole topic. And I agree with you, Aaron, because we're going to mm-hmm. do it right here, right now. Yeah. Um, so monster races as, uh, as player characters, I think is cool. I really do. Yeah. If given the time to make it, it, it can be a really good thing. I don't think it should be, you know, half-assed or just like, I'm just going to do this. And uh, let me see the monster stat block. Yeah. It's yeah. like, nah. Yeah, no, no, don't, don't go with monster <laughs> stat blocks. Um, they're very separate. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I and um, I, I I realized I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, when we did the D and D Beyond topic last week, I didn't even get into the homebrewing part of this. Yeah, and that I did a disservice to D and D Beyond by not talking about it. And basically, I'll, I'll give you a quick thing right now. There is homebrew stuff on D and D Beyond that is uh, uh, user created, mm-hmm. and you can take it and put it into your own stuff. Yeah, and when players make characters, like you can make. Uh, magic items you can make monsters you can make races you can make classes yep um and so there are monster races on D beyond and i've used them mm-hmm. hell there is an owl bear race that you can do <laughs> that i did to make a character just because i thought it was funny um but uh before ravnica came out i used a, a user made goblin yeah race and it was really good in fact that uh npc i still use that uh, player created or the you know user created one because I just like how it's flavored a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I yeah I I I think monster races is cool. What about you? So there's a couple like things that you have to take in consideration when you do introduce monster races into your game. Like for example, if you're doing like the Mines of Vandalar, right? It's like oh the goblins attack. Mm-hmm. Well, if your party if your party has a goblin in it. That may or may not make them wary to automatically attack them. It'll kind of change the dynamics of what the bad guys are doing to your party a little bit. Depending on how you run as a DM. You could just say, we're not questioning this and we're carrying on. We're not going to have racism at all in our game, which is a totally fine way to play it. If you do want that a little bit more of like uh, like monster approach to it, where Mm -hmm. it's like, no, this is a monster. (laughs) Like playing with you guys yeah. who somehow either had like a wish spell on them or is like is forever awakened yeah it's like yeah then you can play it that way too and mm-hmm. so that can affect how I, game I think, plays i think the way to think about it with a lot of the monster races would be uh kind of like frankenstein mm-hmm. the way that that's treated where it's just like you know, a bugbear walks into a town and everyone's like, oh, shit, we're under attack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 I just want some coffee. <laughs> um, I think it I think it can be treated more like that. The, the example you gave with the goblin thing, 
I mean, like, humans kill humans all the time in D&D. Oh, I know. <laughs> and, like, you know, there are other tribes that fight each other and stuff like that. I don't think that one... I Really, I, I do think that the easiest one probably to integrate into it is a goblin. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I also just love goblins. So. They are really cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah like... Um, I mean, for a while, Kenku were only a monster, and mm-hmm. then now there's player stats for it. Yeah. I mean, Volo's Guide kind of eases you into that concept, because yeah. I think they have about four monster race stat blocks, essentially, yeah. that you can apply to character building. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and when it, it, you're oh, building a, a monster race, I would definitely refer back to Volo's Guide and how they approached, like, because I think Volo's Guide had Bugbear as an option. Um, Did it? Yeah. As, like, they're like, Goblinoids, Bugbear. And it's like, here, you can play as one of these guys. And it's like, huh? I would take a look at how the difference is between there from the stat block to see how they got to it. Yeah. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but when we did the Deck of Many Things one shot, my friend Robert was a Tressum. Yeah. That's a creature. Yeah. That's not a player character at all. It's a magical cat that can fly. That's literally all it is. Mm-hmm. It can have telepathy. And it flies. Yeah. But it's a cat. It's in all sense of the words, it's a cat. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I'm true neutral because I'm a cat. I'm like, all right. And it's like, I'm going to sit on your head because I'm a cat. I'm like, that's fair. (laughs) It just starts singing memory. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a cat played by Idris Elba. Yeah. So it's like he looked at the stuff that um, some like old UA psionics have because he has telepathy. He's like, yeah, he probably has some things that he can do. And so it's like, he's a wizard, but he can't do any like vocal stuff because he's a cat. And so it's like, he was looking through all that. And when he built the, the class race, essentially, he's like, yeah, it's, it wasn't that difficult. I just kind of had to approach it as like, uh, like a tabaxi meets a psionic. Yeah. And that's it. I'm like, okay, that works. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I do think that, like, given the time and care, you can really make a good stat block out of these. Yeah. Um, uh, the other part of the question that Aaron had, though, was, like, how would you go about approaching a DM with this idea who seems to be against having monster races in there? With the right backstory. Yes. And, and specifically, <laughs> like, I would go to a DM and be like, okay, I want to make let's let's get crazy. I want to make an abyssal chicken character. Okay, but I want to work with you on how to do a backstory that does that justice and has it make sense for why mm-hmm. there is a talking abyssal chicken, right? Who can either throw magic around or, or peck things to yeah, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So like that would that would be how I'd open that dialogue. Oh my God, about a it. warlock abyssal chicken. I'm just yeah. wh- yes. <laughs> 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 um but yeah like i that that's how i would go about starting that dialogue i i mean i would it it's hard for me to do but if i had the idea that i would want to do that i would just go okay i need to ask about this yeah before getting attached to it definitely like i'm not gonna build this i'm not gonna think of backstory i'm going to just present the idea and then go from there because what I mentioned earlier is like this can change gameplay a little bit depending mm-hmm. on who your DM is. Yeah. And if your DM has the solid idea of like good versus evil and that's it, no gray, then it's like mm, definitely talk to them first and be like, what would it be like? And is it possible if there was a monster race as a PC? Yeah. Then they'll think about it at first. And mm-hmm. if they tell you straight up, no, that's not going to work in this campaign world. And it's like, okay, so just let me know when you're ready for a one shot and I'll throw yeah. them in. And, and, and I do think that's fair. Like if I had a player ask me 
you know, I think some monster races I would have been okay with, but if like one of my players for Storm King's Thunder had been like, I want to play the, the the cat thing, I would have been like, oh, it's a little weird, but honestly, I would have thought about it a little bit more. I'm like, ah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there, <laughs> there are certain things that like, yeah, it wouldn't have fit. I don't think it would serve the story. But then again, that's my point of view on it. I would want to talk to the player and be like, what do you want to do with this character? Yeah. What what is it that excites you about the possibility story wise with it, mm-hmm. or do you just want to play something that's not a yeah. regular race? <laughs> yeah, because then I tell them like, well, let's let's say that for like a mini campaign or a one shot. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's fine. Like, oh, another one that I would totally be okay with Cobalt. I think Cobalt would be freaking cool. Cobalt was one of the other monster races in the Volo Guide. I think. I think it was. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Yeah, well, definitely, because I remember kids coming to the bookstore with Cobalt Race oh, yeah, 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 yeah. players. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think Monster Race is, is, a, is a good one. And yeah, I, I understand DM's uh, hesitancy towards it. Mm-hmm. It's like me with the deck of many things. I get it. But I I think some good story can come out of it. Yeah, um, especially if you do have this idea that's completely out of left field or on the par for like these people. It's like, yeah, no, that that would work. Yeah. Um, Bring it up with the DM. That's the major thing is talk with the DM. (laughs) And I do think also in that conversation, the uncomfortable topics thing needs to come up. It's like, okay, what society, (laughs) what societal things are going to happen here? Is there, are we going to go, are are you going to want to try and do racism? Are you going to want to try and do like Frankenstein's monster kind of thing with it? Or like The Witcher, where everyone just hates you off the yeah, bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way that the 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 Witcher does with non humans, like, it, like, are what as a DM did do they think they would want to do with it, and mm-hmm. that should also you know uh, dictate what you, how you are gonna do it. Like, yeah, if you don't want, if you are uncomfortable with uh, racism being part of the story, because that's not the story you're trying to tell as that character. But that's when your DM is going to try and do. Maybe be like, all right, this isn't the right DM for me to do this with. Yeah, exactly. And just make another character. Yeah, that that's mostly the biggest point of like contention as far as monster races go. Yeah. Is that concept in itself is just how is your monster race going to be received outside of the party? Yeah. I, I know personally that I would do like Frankenstein's monster thing where people are afraid of because it is for like in a story tale way, a monster. It is the thing that, you know, children are afraid of underneath their bed and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, because you know, I've gone on record saying like I don't have racism in my my games because it, I don't uh, like it. Yeah, I, it's I'm, I'm there to have you know it's fantasy land. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want with yeah. it. I'm there to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, I pull drama out of other areas, and I think that there is drama to be done with these monster races, but in, in a different way. But that's yeah. me as a DM. That's not your DM. That's not you as a DM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, in short, yeah, I think Trevor and I both really like the concept of monster races. Yes. Yeah. Um, the main thing is talk to your DM about how they feel about it in general before really getting attached to a character you want to yes. build. And if you are attached to this character, build them anyways and save them for a one shot and bust them out. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, are you guys going to Avernus? Fuck yeah. Bring them in. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> like, let's fuck For a one shot? Yeah. Are you robbing a, the, what was it? The, the, the 666 to Mephistopheles? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you doing that train heist? Bring yeah, in, bring heist. in that monster. That's a good heist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Aaron, hopefully that answered uh, your question, gave you some, some ideas about what you can do with your group. Mm-hmm. 
but if you have any more questions about it or any more thoughts that you may have come up during this episode, send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com and we might talk about them some more. I don't know where I came with that voice. <laughs> um, all right. Man, we, we're, 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 we're catching up to our normal time. We're doing good now. Hey, all right. Yeah, I figure we're going to have that long intro and stuff, so we'll, we'll, let's, let's keep going. So we're going to move on to our listener question. Uh, this one comes from Brian. Um, and, uh, the question is, uh, have you ever rolled initiative in front of and before the players? Uh, I did this the other day and suddenly my players were excited about their initiative roles, knowing what number, uh, they had to beat seemed to bring a little more energy to the table. Wondering if you've ever tried this, uh, and what the pitfalls might be. I really like that concept. Yeah, no, I like, (laughs) um, when I first read this, I was just like, uh, no, that's what the screen's there for. Come on, what are you talking I know. about? Um, but, um, but then when he presented it that way, it's almost the DC. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. I, it, it brings in a level of excitement that wasn't there for initiative because initiative just gets really to number crunchy and boring. <laughs> yeah, and I and I and I understand that there is some meta gaming to it, but then again, that that only lasts one turn because mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. All right, St. James, is that the end of your turn? Yeah. All right. All right. It's the bad things turn. Now everyone knows for the rest of combat. I was just where it's gonna of be that because it's like. I was thinking, oh, but then they'll know exactly what's going on. I'm like, but wait, after the first round, they know anyways. Yeah. So it's like there's already that metagaming going on, and this would be an exciting version of metagaming yeah. that would happen instead of just the, okay, now we know. But at the same time, though, I do kind of like the stress that I see on players' faces, uh, especially when like I have all the numbers behind the screen, and they're just like, oh, God, this is going to be a freaking hard combat. I'm like, all right, the bad things won initiative, and they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I could still get that could if, still get they, that, yeah. if they, I'm like, all right, they rolled a 22 and everyone's just like 18 shit, 19 <laughs> shit, 24. Yes. Yeah. So I guess I, it I, would I, invite the other players to pay attention to the other initiative roles. Yeah. Because that's something that I noticed is that people oh, roll their own initiative point. and then they sit back and wait until I'm ready to take all the initiative numbers. That's a really good point. Yeah. I might actually try this tonight. I'm running yeah. a game tonight. I might do that. So I'm running two different ways of doing initiative. I have the initiative tracker tents like yeah. on my DMs guild like board for two of annihilation. Mm-hmm. And then for my regular campaign, I just do it on a whiteboard behind the screen. Yeah. So like I feel having that on there, like for especially the the initiative tent cards mm-hmm. would be the most exciting. Yeah. Because if we all roll it at once where it's like, oh I got a twenty two, so I put the little tent card up at the front. It's like, okay. And then I roll. It's like, you got a 20. And they're like, oh, cool. And then they put it there. So let's see. And then so you put up the tech yeah. cards as the initiative is rolled. I think that would be really fun. Mm-hmm. But I think doing it that way could invite people to be more invested in other people's initiative roles. Because that's the biggest problem I see with the initiative is they're only concerned about their number. And then they tell it to me. And then they forget everything else. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a really cool way to bring it into the game i think i I like that a lot (laughs) i i I, like it does make me think of uh the way star wars does initiative Mm -hmm. where it slots yeah and i remember vividly rolling like i i rolled all star wars rules in front of everyone that was the one game where i didn't use the screen in fact i had the screen there for numbers for like uh, uh mechanics but i laid it flat on the table and rolled on top of it oh okay 
But I remember when I did initiative, what I do is we had our battle mat and I take the, the wet erase marker and I would write down out in front of everyone, front of everyone. what it was. So it was like, okay, because um, you, you roll and it's the amount of successes plus advantages that you get. Right. So I'd be like, all right, how many did you get? Okay, there's a player slot. There's a player slot. Okay, I go. I got next for the elite stormtroopers. So there's a bad guy slot. Okay, and then you guys, okay, and then I'd have it out like that. And i separate them by group, but mm-hmm. for the bad things. But the players got to see where everything was at all times. And because it's a slot system, they get to change who goes in what slot every turn. Yeah. So, like, the first round, it might go Kyle, Tara, Ike, bad thing, Wiz, Dave, and whatnot. But then on the next one, it was like, okay, Dave's in a better spot now. Let's have him go first. I really liked that concept of initiative, too. That was a fun one. And and so, like, yeah, that is totally metagaming. But it's a level of strategy to what is, you know, we are playing a game Yeah. that I like added into it. And really, looking at it this way, that could just be, like, a fun little thing to do. I mean, it's not going to really break the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I think I'm going to try that out tonight. Ooh, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, I like that. I think, Me too. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Brian. Brian th- thanks, Brian. That's a really cool idea. <laughs> I like that. Um, if you have your own listener questions, suggestion like like this one, or any other thing, you can send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com, and we might read them on the next episode. But that's going to be the end of our episode this yep. week. We uh, Man, that, that was... <laughs> It was a good one. I feel like we just started because it just was a whirlwind of things. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please consider leaving a review on whatever podcast service you might be listening to us on. Um, We'd really like the good ones. Yeah. They would be really nice. (laughs) You're awesome. Thank you. Uh, The other thing you can do if you enjoyed this episode is letting your friends know about it so we can get this show growing a bigger audience. We're getting more listener questions each week, which I am absolutely thrilled about. Oh, my God. It's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And if you're a new listener and you want to write in, like I've been saying, send those into difficultyclass@gmail.com, and we'll either have them as topics, questions. We'll we'll get you in there because we love having these people that are listening to talk to and see the other points, get new ideas, have a fun time with the hobby. Also, I'm gonna do this one too because we haven't said this one. If you have your own DMs Guild spotlight suggestion yes send those in we want to see Please. more of those uh we we've been talking to authors and we've been looking at the site but we want to know what you are using so send those in as well um and oh god what a, oh if you want to keep up with us you can do that on twitter at difficulty class on instagram at difficulty podcast and yeah so uh till next week don't get killed by an abyssal chicken warlock <laughs> Thank you.